I'm probably not going to dedicate a lot of episodes to a specific company because that can come off as either very promotional or very offensive depending on the tone of the episode. This show isn't sponsored or endorsed by EOTech in any way. I'm sure nobody that works there knows about this podcast at all. With that said, I do feel that some recent happenings with EOTech makes for an interesting story, and I want to dive into that a bit. So I've talked a little bit before about how I ended up using an EOTech EXPS holographic site. I found out a bit late in life that I have a mild form of astigmatism that was causing traditional red dot sites like Aimpoints and Trigicons, which I had preferred. Um, those turned out to appear slightly fuzzy and skewed when other shooters would normally see a crisp red dot. I thought that the kind of sunburst effect I was seeing around the dot was normal until I was getting reports from other people that it wasn't. Now, while I'm not a precision shooter, I'd like to be able to take my AR out to 100 yards and consistently get two inch or two MOA groups. And I wasn't able to do that with how distorted the dot on my aim points were, even though they were two MOA dots, and even though I was getting kind of close. So I ended up trying out the EOTech and found that its laser-projected holographic reticle doesn't have the same distortions to, at least to my apparently less than perfect eyes. That one MOA dot at the center of the reticle also lent itself well to both fast close-up shooting and precise hits at longer distances, especially when paired with a flip-to-side magnifier. And that all sounds pretty great, especially when you take into other pros that the EOTech had, like its very clear glass quality, um, lack of edge-to-edge distortion, great parallax, great night vision compatibility, etc., etc., etc. With all that said, I was hesitant in going with the Neotech due to some recent issues the company has gone through, and that's going to be the main focus of this episode. We'll get back to how my experience with my Neotech site panned out at the end. So first, a kind of quick background of Neotech as a company. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Neotech is a subsidiary of L3 Communications, which is a longtime government contractor and electronics developer. So between their contractor and corporate ties to L3, and their engineering roots with, with, among other places, the Environmental Research Institute of Michigan, where they're based. The crew at EOTech had years of experience working with stuff like aperture radar, aircraft heads-up displays, and laser holographics before they ever worked on a firearm optic. So EOTech formed and started working on holographic weapon sites in the 90s, and it was eventually awarded its first U.S. Special Forces contract in 2001. When the war in Iraq broke out and we quickly saw the need for fast acquisition, zero magnification sites on various infantry weapons, we started seeing EOTechs in use to the point where by like 2005, they were pretty much everywhere among U.S. infantry deployments. And while I'm not intimately familiar with how many of each model ended up in military service, the most common EOTech model I've seen in DoD hands was the EOTech 552. And this is the iconic holographic site that every young civilian who's seen combat footage on YouTube or played Call of Duty is familiar with. It's that reflex site with the long battery tube up front, the big bomb-proof lens housing to the rear, and the donut of death reticle with the crisp dot in the center when you look through the site. For millennials like me that were into gaming between 2005 and 2010, this unit is an icon. And even though this story gets kind of dark for EOTech, I still feel like the 552 enjoyed, by and large, a mostly positive service life. That bright, crisp reticle is perfect for lining up quickly on targets in all sorts of adverse situations, 
from dark indoor environments to bright daylight desert or mountain ranges. And while the AA battery housing tended to shake loose and fail when mounted on machine guns or shotguns, they worked well on small arms like the M4s that they were originally intended for. It wasn't all roses even when the units were working as intended. They still had very short battery life when compared to pretty much any LED-based red dot. And that's because holographic projection requires a laser, which will always be inherently more complicated and draw more power than an LED in order to get the same reticle size and brightness. In order to get an apples-to-apples reticle comparison between an LED and a laser, the laser will always be working harder. It was a good few years later until the problems started coming out in what I've seen referred to a couple times online as EOGATE. And EOGATE started, I believe, when NSWC Crane, which is the group that's in charge of a lot of the Navy Special Forces gear and acquisitions, they had to issue a safety of use message about the EOTech. Um, and they were warning about a 4MOA thermal drift problem, uh, some issues with fading and disappearing reticles, and up to a 4 to 6 MOA parallax error. Uh, which is when the site appears to be centered when you're not lined up perfectly behind the site. But in fact, the point of impact is very is far off the point of aim. So pretty shortly after we saw wide deployment of the EOTech holographic sites, SOCOM was acknowledging that those sites had issues. It wasn't until 2015 when the U.S. government sued EOTech for civil fraud. The government was, was accusing EOTech of covering up defects in the sites that it knew about as early as 2006. And there were multiple defects front and center in the suit. This wasn't focused on just one thing. The first and foremost problem was regarding excessive thermal drift. Now, thermal drift means that when you're moving from one extreme temperature to another, such as going from an indoor environment to a hot or very cold outdoor environment, the zero on an electronic optic will shift from where you had originally set it. And this will cause the point of aim to shift in relation to the point of impact. All sites exhibit some amount of thermal drift, but the EOTech sites that were in service were drifting as much as 4 MOA, which would cause the point of aim to move a foot off of zero at 300 yards, which is quite a lot, especially when in use in places like Afghanistan, where there were very long engagement ranges, and, and our troops were suddenly hitting the dirt below a target or shooting over their heads. The second defect was related to the nitrogen purging of the site housings. And nitrogen purging is present on pretty much every modern magnified optic or red dot site, in addition to every model of EOTech holographic site that I'm aware of. Now, when the purging fails, the glass in an EOTech can fog up in human environments and the reticle can get excessively dim and fuzzy. This was happening with a ton of SOCOM issued EOTechs, some very shortly after acquisition and deployment. So the suit was the first publicly available information that brought up government knowledge of these issues, but SOCOM wasn't the only federal group that experienced them. The FBI independently discovered the same thermal drift defect in early 2015 with the holographic sites that they were using and reported its findings to EOTech. Later in 2015, EOTech admitted that they knew about the issue, admitted that they had you know, withheld some of these disclaimers, they had lied in certain cases in order to secure government contracts, and they agreed to settle the federal lawsuit for just over $25 million. Lying to the government aside, what I feel is concerning to civilian buyers is that EOTech knew about these issues and yet continued to advertise things like that its sites will perform in temperatures ranging from negative 40 degrees to 140 degrees, 
as well as in human conditions. And we now know that these types of conditions are exactly what would cause issues with thermal drift, with nitrogen purging failures. If you expose your EOTech site to conditions within these advertised ranges, there's a significant chance that you'll experience a dot that is no longer clear, glass that is no longer clear, or a reticle that is no longer on target. In 2017, EOTech began offering a voluntary buyback program for pretty much all units made before 2017. If you have an older EOTech site and are concerned about the thermal drift issue, even if you haven't directly experienced it, you can send your site back to EOTech for a full refund. At the time of recording, I believe that program is still in place and hasn't been limited in any way. So even before the lawsuit occurred, EOTech had gone back to the drawing board with their site design. And they began working on kind of their next generation of holographic weapon sites. And it's very clear that they had intended to address some of the issues that had been experienced with the 5.5 series of sites. What they ended up with was the XPS and EXPS series of holographic weapon sites. And this was a very, this was clearly a very long, very expensive effort where they had to bring in experts in in laser technologies and holographic projection technologies because the results were, from what I've seen and read and experienced personally, a huge improvement in the overall performance of the EOTech holographic weapon site system. While the 5.5.2s that were in military um, service experienced some of the worst thermal drift of any electronic units that the U.S. government was working with, the early EXPS units that the government was testing and evaluating had some of the lowest, some of the least thermal drift out of any of those electronic sites. We went from one end of the spectrum to the other in terms of thermal drift reduction or the retention of zero in extreme changes of environment. EOTech also addressed other issues such as the such as the battery housing design affecting whether or not the EOTech site can stay on and stay consistently performing uh, when experiencing extreme amounts of vibration, such as from recoil on a higher caliber machine gun. So they switched to the perpendicularly aligned CR123 batteries in the EXPS and XPS series, rather than the parallel aligned AA batteries in the prior models. And this worked. The EXPS models have virtually no reports of battery housing failures due to vibration or pretty much any other reasonable means that a battery failure would occur. And the gamble so far has worked out for EOTech. The EXPS series is a big seller, and EOTech uh, landed a new SOCOM contract for the sites and the accompanying magnifiers at the beginning of 2019. So this 18-year uh, relationship between EOTech and U.S. Special Operations Forces is going to continue for many more years to come, at least until some other glaring failure comes to light. As I said before, I've used an EXPS site firsthand. I've, I've put some time in with it. And the EXPS is great, but it's still an EOTech. Not in the sense that it's likely that EOTech is lying about its performance or reliability again. I don't know if they would do that again. But despite their colored history, there are merits to the product that can't be avoided. And there are drawbacks to the product that can't be avoided. And these are both going to depend on your use case for the optic. When choosing a low or zero magnification optic for a civilian rifle or carbine, whether you're using it for general range use or home defense or something similar, you're probably going to be comparing the EOTech sites to a more traditional red dot platform like an Aimpoint Pro, Aimpoint Micro, Trigicon MRO, something to that effect. And the EOTech will come far above those other options depending on what you're doing. 
if what you're going to be using the optic for lines to what the EOTech was designed for. For instance, if you're working with night vision or want to use a flip-to-side magnifier, such as EOTech's own G33 magnifier, there simply isn't a better option today. I had a G33 magnifier, and I put it behind the EOTech as well as behind things like the Aimpoint Pro. And what I found is, even though Aimpoint has made improvements to the clarity of the dot when magnified, it still isn't as good as the one MOA dot being magnified on the EOTech. The one MOA dot when magnified is still very close to one MOA in size, which means you're able to land very precise targets, and the glass on the EOTech is so clear that when magnified, there's almost no loss in clarity, whereas there can be in other red dot options. But there are certain problems with the EOTech design that EOTech themselves just can't reasonably fix. Whether you're going with an older 5.5.2 or the new next generation EXPSs, you're still going to be dealing with this big bulky body because the holographic projection is difficult to put into a smaller unit. You're still going to experience a very short battery life compared to long-lasting competitors like the Aimpoint Red Dots. And you're still going to have the holographic sight, which while is very clear and has very low parallax shift, is still a kind of a pixely reticle rather than the solid dot that Aimpoint and Trigicon are able to provide. And if you're using it with a magnifier, you get great glass clarity and great reticle clarity downrange, but you also have a very narrow field of view when using a magnifier versus using something more dedicated for the job, like a low-power variable optic or a fixed-power combat optic like the Trigicon ACOG. Those will typically have a much wider field of view downrange. As for my experience with the new EOTEX, it's mixed. I loved that the reticle was friendly to my mild astigmatism when aimpoints and trigicons weren't, and I loved using the EXPS with the G33 magnifier. But even my relatively new unit experienced issues that required an RMA with EOTech. The nitrogen purging did fail within a year, leaving me with a dim and fuzzy reticle. I don't think that this will happen to the majority of EOTechs that are purchased today, but the problem is definitely still out there. EOTech did solve this by accepting my return. Uh, they worked on it for a little while. They ended up sending me a brand new unit after a couple weeks instead of repairing the existing one. But that unit went up on sale on eBay. I'm not certain yet if EOTech has solved all of the problems that they experienced with the previous generation of sites, or even if they profoundly changed as a company from the one that had lied to the government and to civilian purchasers. And to be honest, I don't think I'm enough in love with the new EXPS site to stick around and find out. Anyway, that's all I have for you this week. Thanks again for tuning in. If you find a moment before next week's episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave Range Talk a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening on. If you have a cool EOTech story or some pictures of a build featuring EOTech, be sure to send it over to me on Twitter at Range Talk Show. If not, stay safe, and we'll talk again soon.